0: This is another iRaw podcast. We podcast to make the world a better place for animals. In the Canadian justice system, animals' interests are rarely represented. But the lawyers at Animal Justice fight to give them a voice in court and the political system. This is the Pawn Order Podcast, and these are their stories.
1: everyone. Welcome to episode 45 of the Paw and Order podcast. I'm Camille Lapchuk, joined by my co host, Peter Sankoff. How are you, Peter?
0: Camille, it's so great to be in your presence again. As advertised, we are here in Toronto doing a podcast. In... Wait a minute, Camille, that's not you. That's like a mannequin I have in my office. <laughs> For a second, I thought that was you. That's so weird.
1: Do you have a mannequin to be in your office? Because that's that kind of weird.
0: That would be weird. It was uh like I'm gonna um um it was here for some, you know, clothes I was selling. Yeah, Camille, that's what it's here for.
1: Yeah, no, unfortunately we're not together today. This is earlier in the week, and we will see each other later in the week for the Animal Justice Toronto holiday party, but things are too uh wild to bother recording a podcast later in the week so here we we, are today
0: isn't that funny Camille we're going to be seeing each other and spending a couple of days together and yet we have no time to do a podcast so we thought the only safe way to get it done was to do it our regular old-fashioned way but that just means I don't I don't get to see a single eye roll that's just it's not the same Camille without the eye rolls
1: I I think you'll detect them remotely trust me
0: (laughs) it's true I can always tell I can tell when you're eye rolling Camille In any event, Camille, you wouldn't be able to see my eye rolls. You know why? Why? Even if I did have an eye roll, I just got some Botox injections, so I can barely move my eyes at all.
1: Oh, are you trying to cover up those wrinkles, Peter?
0: It's the wrinkles of being 50, Camille. That's what it is. It's just I'm trying to get rid of those wrinkles, so I Botoxed all over my head, and now it's like, you know, my eyes don't roll anymore. What can I tell you?
1: Wow, that must feel really weird.
0: Well, I'm glad that your
1: vanity is intact.
0: Yeah, it hasn't kicked in yet. So uh, the, uh, by the way, I don't even know why I feel the need to see this, but it it is for headaches, not for vanity. Camille, God, come on. Um, But in any event, um, yeah, it hasn't kicked in yet. But apparently by the time I see you, Camille, I will not have function over my eyebrows. So I won't be able to like, you know, really raise my eyelids when you say something crazy.
1: Wow, I'm definitely going to take a video of you and share it for all our listeners. (laughs) This sounds pretty
0: funny. (laughs) That'll be fantastic. That's exactly what we need. But... To put it mildly, Camille, I'm excited about the holiday party. I don't think this podcast or it will just be coming out right on Friday. So I'm assuming this will be coming out simultaneously with the holiday party. So it's there's not much point about talking about, you know, what uh, I want people to do. I already did that last episode anyway, but I am very much looking forward to seeing all our Toronto listeners at the party. So if any of you do happen to listen to this uh, prior to the party, you know, come and say hello.
1: Yeah, totally. It's uh, 6 p.m. at District 28 on Logan Avenue in Toronto, and we would love to see you there. I went to Vancouver last weekend for the Vancouver Animal Justice Holiday Party, and it was a smashing success, as always. Tons of fun. And there were a few not-so-dry eyes when we played our year-in-review video. So that's review video in Toronto.
0: I can't wait. I haven't seen it. Usually I see it in advance, Camille, but this time I'm going to be seeing it live.
1: Oh, it's going to be a closely guarded secret till then. It's it's more fun to get the live reaction from people, but it was a big year and it's kind of fun to reflect on all that's happened.
0: Absolutely. But Camille, you know that there's only one thing I want to know. Like, you know, like I only care about one thing, Camille, is Pawn Order the in the video. the to
1: which Pawn Order is if featured.
0: That's all I want to know, let Camille, me assure you, is Pawn let Order me assure reflected. you,
1: it gets some airtime. All
0: right. That's You'll, that's you I You won't be disappointed. Know. I hope, I Go hope, ahead. I can only hope there's some mention of gallivanting in there. But, I mean, that's just a hope, Camille. I can't, I have no control over the video.
1: Don't get your hopes up too high, but, <laughs> but you'll, but you'll, see. you'll I am, see.
0: I am looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it. And, uh, of course, my, my, my daughter Penny will be coming to the party with me. She is very excited, Camille. She's hoping you're going to help her do her hair for the party because she does know that her dad is, her dad has many talents, but hair of a young girl is is not one of them camille i have to be honest
1: well i'm gonna resist the urge to make any further hair jokes about you (laughs) and just let penny know that i'll be happy to help her out
0: good i'm hoping we'll see what camille 50 60 supporters at the holiday party is that what we're looking at
1: Oh, 400 rsvps holy
0: (laughs) crap seriously 400 oh my god fantastic people love this party well The question, Camille, is how many Paw & Order listeners? That's what matters to me. That's what I want to hear. But we'll find out. The more Paw & Order listeners, Camille, the bigger the donation to Animal Justice.
1: Yeah, we'll find out.
0: Fantastic. Well, what else has been going on, Camille? I know for you it's just been sleep and rest and just getting ready, you know? No?
1: not until the uh, not until January first. Let's just put it that way. But uh, there's there's never a dull moment here. Well, I was uh, off to Vancouver for our party. Caitlin, uh, Caitlin Mitchell, who's our other staff lawyer, we'll have to have her on at some point on the podcast for an interview. But she uh, came back to Toronto. She's located in Winnipeg, and testified about the uh, Paws Act in Ontario, and that's the new Animal Welfare Services Act that uh, is replacing the OSPCA legislation. So that was like. We only had like four or five days notice about that. And it was quite a lot to get together, but we did it. And that was, that was great. So Camille, Um, can I ask a question?
0: Because of course, uh, animal animal justice, I don't want to go too far into, you know, what we're going to discuss today in depth, but like animal justice is generally supportive of the PAWS Act. Is that right, Camille? Is that fair to say?
1: We are. I mean, the PAWS Act start, starts a new regime for animal welfare in Ontario and its enforcement in particular. And we like that it's a public enforcement system. Right. So, you know, we've we've been pretty vocal in giving the government our support for what it's trying to do. <laughs> our main topic today is egg gag laws, well, and Ontario has moved in that direction as well. So we're you, going to have a lot more to say, and none of it is supportive, but we'll we'll save that for the main segment, I well, guess. Well,
0: you, you knew where I was going, Camille. You preempted me before I could even ask the question, but I just I don't want to talk about the main segment. That's not what I'm trying to do right here. I'm just asking you this, Camille, given your, you know, detailed knowledge of how politics works and all this. Is it suspicious that Ontario releases these two things at the same time? Like it's sort of the good news, bad news sort of thing. Like yes on one hand. Like to me, this this is not an accident.
1: I I don't think so. I think it's pretty deliberate that they wait until the day that the uh pause act which people support is uh, being approved by a committee to introduce egg gag laws which people widely oppose very disappointing
0: yeah it's it's like you know give us on one hand and take it away with the other but i guess we'll talk about that more in our main segment
1: yeah yeah we will
0: now camille, right, well speaking something... of the podcast oh well i wanted to launch into this one camille because our listeners know that i never ask you for anything right? In fact, that's a running I mean, you theme. kind of
1: ask them constantly to leave a I, review. Okay. I do.
0: I constantly ask them to leave. I'm very needy, Camille. And I constantly ask them to leave reviews, to um to say hello to me when you're at events. But Camille, let's be honest. Is it fair to say that this is the big one? We need our listeners to come through on this, Camille. I'll let you take it away. But this is big.
1: Well, we do. We, we need your help. So, The annual Clobby Award season has arrived, and Clobby's refers to Canadian law blogs. That's how it started out, as awards for law bloggers. But as blogging has sort of been supplemented with other forms of communication, including podcasts, Twitter feeds... you know, different ways of getting the message across. They've expanded it to include a bunch of different platforms. And there is podcast categories galore. We won a clobby last year and what was it the best niche podcast?
0: Yes, best niche, but I want best overall, Camille. I think we need to up the ante here.
1: Well, I agree. So, you know, the first thing we want you to do is nominate us for a clobby on Twitter. And you can do that by finding the clobby Twitter account. Is it just Clawbies at Clawbee? It's actually, or it something else? you
0: don't have to do at, Camille. It's just, everybody listening, hashtag Clawbies, which is C-L-A-W-B-I-E-S 2019. So that's the hashtag. If you hashtag Clawbies 2019, everybody will find you. So that's the way you do it. And all you got to do is talk about how great Paw Order is and why you love it so much.
1: Great. Well, we would love your nomination. We'd love to win an award, so check it out.
0: Because, Camille, and I mean, everybody knows that, like, the docket, which records, like, three times a year, is going to get all this love. And I'm like, for their three recordings a year? I mean, come on, Ooh, Camille. We're, theater, out, here, we're out here every two weeks. I'm starting the feud again, Camille. I'm starting the feud. We're out here every two weeks giving you our hard-earned time and energy, you know, no matter how tired we are, no matter... I mean, my head has been punctured with Botox injections, Camille, and I know how, how busy you are. Fighting the ag world, we need those Clobbies 2019 support, Camille.
1: Well, that's a shot across the bow towards our friends at the docket, Emily Tamman and Michael Spratt. I mean, Emily did run for parliament in the last year, so I can understand why they've been busy, but lazy, Camille. You know, Camille. Lazy. Listen to them too. They're awesome. So are we. Please nominate us. Oh, they're, they're very fine. Grateful.
0: They're fine, Camille. Nominate us. That's what we wanted to say. Now, the only other thing I wanted to say about this, Camille, um, just, I thought I would alert our listeners. Um, I mean, I, we could have done this next episode, but just to alert our listeners to our schedule um, in, in that this is a regularly scheduled broadcast. And we're planning to do one more before we take a little holiday recharge break, which I think we've earned. Is that fair?
1: I think we've more than earned it.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So next episode, which is scheduled to release December 20th, um, will be our last episode of the year. And then we're going to take about a month break. So essentially we're missing the equivalent of one episode and we'll come back in mid-January. Don't worry. But of course, Camille, mid-January, that's a really important broadcast because that's when we announce our Clawby win which I'm hoping we have to be nominated for first by lots of our listeners. But then we will come back. It will be a celebratory episode. We'll like, you know, just be throwing around good wishes to everybody who nominated us. So thanks in advance, listeners. Thanks in advance. And now we're going to ask for your support in two additional ways.
1: (laughs) This is your reminder that you can support us on Patreon. I want to thank our new Patreon supporter, Sam Skinner. Who also did a shout out about joining our Patreon program on Instagram? So yay. we're now at only, yay, Sam! We're now at over $170 per month on Patreon. Uh, if you're not familiar with the platform, it's a place where folks like you can support creators like us who make podcasts or anything else. Uh, you can visit us at patreoncom slash pod order and sign up to be a supporter for as little as a dollar a month. We would really appreciate it. It Helps us afford to do this podcast and keep bringing you new content and information.
0: Love it, absolutely love it. And reminder: well, I said I wasn't going to do it today, Camille, to leave us a review because frankly, I'll take the Clawbees hashtag. But if you can do, if you can do a review too, that's pretty awesome because reviews on iTunes help others find the podcast. We have a little bit of a review, a recent review by someone named Inspired, Camille. I'm inspired by Inspired.
1: Me too. And Inspired says, if we all came together with our own strengths, we can make these changes. I've been hoping for so long that people like Camille and Peter would lead us through the legal world of these issues. It gives me hope to keep going and fighting for all animals, knowing that we have some very talented people who are. Well, thank you, inspired. I agree. One of the things I love about this podcast is getting a chance to showcase a lot of the cool work being done in Canada and even around the world by people fighting to make legal change for animals. There's lots of us out there. I hope that the podcast helps some of you feel left alone. And if you want to continue that, please leave a review so others can find us
0: absolutely. And um finally, we should uh, tell our our friend we should never ignore. You know, the best way to do your Christmas shopping is at our friends over at The Grinning Goat. The Grinning Goat is Canada's yes. online uh, vegan clothing and luxury item. I'm, I'm adding the luxury item, Camille, but they have a lot of luxury items. Uh, store, and you can find them at grinninggoat.ca.
1: That's right. Why head to the mall and beat back the holiday crowds when you can find everything you need online, shift right to your door. Enter the discount code PAW15 for 15% off.
0: Now, uh, on top of that, Camille, um, I I am aware of the fact that we are getting. our own little online store. We're not competing with The Grinning Goat. In fact, we're hoping that The Grinning Goat will sell some of our t-shirts for Paw & Order. But we are getting our own new Animal Justice online store in the new year. And as we've talked about in our last show, we're still hoping for some Paw & Order tea ideas. And I can tell you that we want to do a Paw & Order t-shirt, but we wanted to get at least some thoughts from our listeners of what they wanted, Camille. We put that out there in the last episode, and frankly, the response, Camille, has been overwhelming you <laughs> (laughs)
1: I mean, I don't think anybody wrote in. (laughs) No, I think it was pretty quiet, Maybe that's a sign that no one wants T-shirts. I
0: I hope we do better with the hashtag Clobbies 2019 or I may get in my, you know, one of my suicidal days, Camille, where I feel like nobody's listening. I haven't said that in a while. I feel like there are people listening, Camille. But, you know, if we don't get some hashtags and some pawn order tea ideas, I may have to revisit. We've been told that our uh, producer, Shannon Milling, is going to look over these design ideas. You should see Send if you have any ideas at all about how this T-shirt should look. Send your ideas to info at animaljustice.ca. Please
1: do. All right. That's all the um, administrative stuff. Let's get into the news.
0: Yeah, the news is pretty short today because we're going to do most of our focus on the main topic, Camille. So we only have one big news item.
1: That's right. We we have a, some news about a poll that was recently conducted in Canada just a couple of weeks ago by Research Co, a polling company, polling and research company. They polled Canadians on our attitudes about animal use and broke it down by gender, by age, and by region and political affiliation as well, and there's some pretty interesting results and honestly Peter, I'm kind of blown away by how positive people are towards ending the use of animals for various things. So when we look at Uh, what people think about using animals in rodeo, killing animals for their fur, uh, trophy hunting and keeping animals in zoos or aquariums. We have a pretty strong majority uh, Mm. against these things. In the Mm. case of trophy hunting, 85% of people say that they oppose it. Uh, What have we got here for zoos and aquariums? It's 52% of people are moderately or strongly opposed. Um, Using animals for their fur, it's in the 75% range and rodeos as well. Surprising to me, even in Alberta, it's uh, about half of people are opposed in Alberta and about uh, 61% of people across the country. So we've got really, really positive attitudes, I think, developing. And I think that's been a change.
0: Yeah, that is that is very powerful. In fact, the only the only numbers that were really um, in favor of use was not surprisingly the largest use of all, which is eating animals. Where, but but even there, Camille, I thought the numbers were generally encouraging in terms of um, in terms of how attitudes are changing. And I also thought it was encouraging. I'm not sure if you noticed this, Camille, that obviously the younger generation is the place where people are most opposed. So I should give you those numbers. You're still looking at 75 percent strongly or moderately in favor of eating animals. But those numbers drop quite a bit, down to 67% when you're talking about people in the 18 to 34. And what's also interesting, I'm, I'm sure you notice this as well, Camille, is that the numbers, you know, the favor of doing this goes up with age. So you notice that it's like, obviously, the highest in favor of eating animals are those who are at the highest age range and less at the low age range. So it may come a time when, I mean, it would be amazing to get to that 50-50 split at least or something along those lines. And right now you're looking at about 19% um, uh, opposed or moderately or strongly opposed to eating of animals.
1: Yeah, no, it's it's really interesting, I think, and encouraging to see and, and not anything that we wouldn't have predicted without having seen these results. Obviously, the younger generations are much more friendly to plant-based diets. They're looking to reduce their meat consumption to a greater extent. So that was super interesting. But, uh, you know, to me, these these polls or these poll results, uh, I think really bolster what we've all intuitively been feeling and seeing on the ground, which is that public attitudes are shifting uh, very drastically and very quickly away to a lot of things that we've taken for granted. And so it's no surprise to me that we are seeing progress against things like zoos and aquariums and killing animals for sport based on these numbers.
0: Yeah, and again, um, the, 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 there's so many interesting little elements to this. But again, again what I was particularly uh, pleased by is essentially, if you look at the age breakdowns, Camille, it's pretty much in just about every category um, the, the most strongly opposed is, is the youngest. Um, and I think that's, that's really powerful. Although, oddly, Camille, not for trophy hunting. I couldn't figure that one out. <laughs> Apparently, huh. young people are okay with trophy hunting, whereas older people don't like it. Maybe that's, I don't know, some attitude about how certain types of hunting is better than others because, because the, the, the youngest were the most opposed to um, hunting animals for meat. That, that that was the highest level was young, but trophy hunting was somehow okay. I don't know, Camille. That's kind of
1: strange. I don't know. Like, even then, I, I see what you're saying, Peter. There's we'll, we'll post this polls in the show notes so you can check it out yourself. But even then, the numbers are still very solidly 82% of, of young people under.
0: Um, oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I just, as oh, no, I said, wait. I just found it weird that it was like uh, that they were the strongest in favor. <laughs> 7%. That's really weird. You know what I yeah, mean? Whereas yeah. only 2% of older people were in favor of trophy hunting. Anyway, weird, huh?
1: Maybe increased polarization of opinion.
0: Could be, could be, Camille. But anyway, I thought this was great, very, very powerful, um, some really useful data, hopefully data points that we can uh, bring to parliamentarians and politicians who have to uh, you know, make new rules about these sorts of things.
1: Yeah, definitely. Well, speaking of parliamentarians and politicians, unfortunately, some provinces have been busy doing uh, some legislative work that we're finding pretty damaging. So we're going to Get into our main topic, which is the spread of so-called egg-gag laws across Canada. Now, if Mm. you haven't heard that term before, we've mentioned it on the podcast, but if you're not overly familiar, egg-gag was a term coined by New York Times columnist Mark Bittman that refers to legislation that gags people from speaking out against or expressing themselves on matters involving animal agriculture. And egg egg laws originated in the United States. Uh, Some states have had them on the books for for quite some time, since the early 90s. But there was a spate of them that started to be passed within the last 10 years at the behest of the industrial farming industry, specifically trying to stop people from exposing conditions on animal farms. And the reason that the farm lobby pushed so hard for these was because they'd been hit with a series of undercover investigations where whistleblowing employees released footage and photographs of just horrific things, animals being kept on appalling conditions on all kinds of farming situations. So the egg industry, instead of cleaning up its act and trying to impose higher standards, and the government, instead of pushing to actually put some laws in place to regulate these industries, its response was to try to shut down the conversation. So we're seeing that worrying trend pick up here in Canada, and that's what we're going to talk about.
0: Yeah, three provinces, I mean, have either passed or are in the process of passing laws of this type. And uh, I agree, Camille, there's real concern here, both about the way it's being done and about the message it sends, quite frankly. Because I actually found it's really interesting, Camille, how the different uh, provinces have gone about doing this. Like, Alberta's law, like, for all its many flaws, was effectively content neutral. Do you know what I mean by that? Like it was essentially it wasn't it wasn't really addressing farms, whereas like the Ontario law is just like, no, 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 this is about farmers. We need to create, you know, animal protection zones (laughs) like like in many ways, Camille, in many ways, like I I don't want to debate per se whose whose law is worse, yours or mine, although. Camille, it's yours. But in any event, um, I don't want to debate whose law is worse, yours, Ontario's or mine, Alberta's. But I mean, but it's really interesting that the Ontario law is filled with a lot more euphemism. and, And really, it sounds like a lot more of the suggested language that would have been put in place by the farming industry.
1: Yeah, it's clear that they've had a major hand in drafting this. And maybe before we get into some of the details, we should just back up and explain the context for these laws emerging at this time. You know, Mm there have been undercover investigations in Canada since 2013, (coughs) when Mercy for Animals, 2012, actually, when Mercy for Animals Uh, first did an employment-based undercover investigation into a Manitoba pig farm. There were investigations prior to that exposing factory farming conditions. It's nothing new for this to be happening. But what is somewhat new, I think, is that people are becoming increasingly disillusioned with the fact that there aren't any laws or standards or legal regulations for animals on farms. And a number of situations uh, animal advocates have just gone onto farms to expose the conditions. So there was a liberation lockdown in um, Alberta. There have been um, people entering onto farms, a veal farm here in Ontario. There was a situation in British Columbia where advocates organized something called Meet the Victims. And they went on to a farm that had previously been exposed through secret footage for just horrific uh, pig suffering. So in response to suffering and concerns about these farms, some advocates have gone on to property, and um, that's what seems to have started this. In Ontario, I would say as well, definitely part of the motivation is the SAVE movement and activists who hold vigils outside of slaughterhouses to um, expose the conditions that animals and transport trucks are kept in. Of course, one of these advocates, Anita Crines, was charged with criminal mischief, for giving water to suffering pigs on their way to slaughter, and as we all know, she was acquitted after a much-publicized trial. So there's provisions in Ontario directly designed to get at people like Anita So. Yeah, Peter, why don't we get into some of the details?
0: Yeah, before doing that, I just want to add, Camille, like, I think you've hit the nail on the head. And, and in particular, what's kind of interesting is that while the law goes after both undercover investigations and trespass, there's no doubt in my mind that the Alberta law was in response to, it because, I mean, it referred to it directly. I think it was in direct response to the to the um, animal advocates um, actually making incursions onto farms. Like, it it... it I mean, I don't want to say because if you look at the Ontario bill, you can see there's more to it than that. They're also going after, as you say, um, all the issues involving transport and things like that, whereas the Alberta law doesn't have any of that. But it, it seems to me that there weren't like tons of animal undercover investigations going on in Alberta. And to the extent they were, none of those things tended to prompt um, Um, this type of response. But it it seemed to me that as soon as the confrontations became more direct, then the government felt it had to act.
1: I think that's a pretty good student analysis. Uh, Alberta took action pretty quickly. So it was Labor Day weekend that some advocates went on to a turkey farm in Alberta a Hutterite turkey farm in the south of the province, and it was only about a month after that incident occurred. Well, first in the news, the farmers were complaining and saying they want action, and legislators were holding roundtables and discussions and things like that. And only about a month later, Jason Kenney, the premier of Alberta, held a press conference with ministers on that turkey farm and announced that something was coming. So they were, I think, as you said, pretty directly influenced by that incident. So why don't we just go over Alberta first? Then it's uh, the the bill that passed is called Bill Twenty Seven. It was proposed on November 19th, and it passed on November 28th, so only about 10 days from introduction until it was passed. Animal Justice requested a meeting with the the ministers and the premiers to discuss this bill. We were concerned that some of the provisions might be unconstitutional. We requested the meeting, actually, before the, the legislation was even introduced, and we didn't hear anything back from them. But here's what it does. It says that farms are de facto a no-go zone so anyone on a farm is automatically trespassing and that's different from the situation previously where anyone can walk onto property unless it's enclosed with a fence or something like that and then the property owner or occupier can ask you to leave and you have to leave or you'll be charged with trespass or you so that's can previous uh, Camille, situation. or
0: you could or you could if there were signs that was the equivalent of asking them to leave as well
1: Yeah, that's right, if you put up signs or you have a closure or a fence. But now under the new situation, farms are automatically a no-go zone. And if you're on a farm without permission, you could get a fine from uh, up to $10,000 for a first offense, $25,000 for a second offense in relation to the same property. And here's the real kicker, up to $200,000 for an organization found to be encouraging or involved in such trespasses. So that's a pretty high number.
0: Yeah, it's really, uh, really high, really alarming.
1: Really worrying. And then the part that is probably most concerning to me, Peter, I shouldn't say most concerning because it's all very concerning, but there is a provision that says that if you've obtained permission by false pretense to be on the farm, that invalidates that permission and you're trespassing and subject to those fines. Now, if you haven't thought too much about it, it may not be obvious at first why this is such a problem. But it could seriously affect anyone doing a whistleblower expose of a firm. And the reason for that, and and I said firm, but actually I mean any situation where somebody doesn't necessarily Tell the owner of property their full intention for being there, or doesn't disclose every single piece of information that they have. So, and, and it's interesting,
0: if, Camille. We should we should distinguish because I realize we're going to be talking Ontario, Alberta, but separately. But the Ontario and Alberta bills are a bit different in this regard. Um, it, it, the Alberta law, you're right, applies to every 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 private zone in the country, whereas the Ontario bill also has this fall pretense law, but actually targets it for animal protection zones. It's funny that in some way, Camille, both of them are objectionable. Do you know what I'm saying? In the sense that the Alberta law is at least egalitarian and applies across the board, but that scope is what makes it so problematic because you can't go undercover anywhere. Whereas in Ontario, they're just targeting farms specifically.
1: Yeah, they're, they're both terrible, but in unique ways.
0: It's, Differently it's so terrible. yeah.
1: Differently terrible. And I would say any journalist working in Alberta should be extremely concerned about this provision because this could affect a journalist who's looking into a shoddy daycare or a nursing home, for instance, and wants to do a site visit. Mm. Uh, that could be a situation where not disclosing that a person's a journalist could result in one of those huge fines. So pretty serious concerns here. So yeah, I'll say. So that's... That's the gist of Alberta. And Ontario uh, was just proposed this week. So we'd heard whisperings that something was coming in Ontario. The farmers have been up in arms for ages here, that animal advocates are becoming bolder and are better able to expose conditions on farms. You know, and I'm just going to throw something out there as well. Everything that we're talking about today in terms of trespass is already an offence. What these provinces are doing is making it like an extra, extra, extra offense with a crazy fine. Uh, but it was never just a case that anyone could just walk onto someone else's property uh, without permission to be there. That was always a, a situation where a person could be fined, so it's not like there was a legal gap. People have been hit with trespass tickets for going onto property. Anyway, so Bill 156 was proposed in Ontario on um, Monday, December 2nd, and I looked at it and I was just stunned. So it creates so-called animal protection zones, which is the most, like, (laughs) or well term you could possibly imagine to describe a farm or a slaughterhouse or a transport truck. Ah. Uh, Animal protection zones, people cannot go in them. Uh, You need explicit permission from the occupier or the owner. They say that farms, slaughterhouses, animal facilities that are are kind of like farms, you know, things that fall into that category are animal protection zones. But the legislation also gives the government power to add via regulation additional locations as animal protection zones. So I don't know what locations they have in mind there, if that's gonna be a zoo. Um, a laboratory that uses animals um, maybe a fur farm could be any place with animals and that's pretty disturbing will they will they put puppy mills into animal protection zones as well who knows and another significant difference from Alberta is that it covers transport trucks and it mm. makes it an offense for anyone to stop or interfere or interact with animals inside the transport truck. So you can't stop the trucks. You can't do th- what Anita Krein said, which is give water to suffering pigs, thirsty pigs on their way to slaughter after being shipped for potentially days at a time without food, water or rest. It makes that an offense and this directly targets the save movement which this is their this is the way that they do their animal advocacy they regularly. Peter regularly uncover animal cruelty on transport trucks. They see animals who are suffering and dying with gaping wounds, suffering from heat stroke. They see animals who've been frozen alive. This is routine. And what the government seems to be trying to do is to prevent those activists from getting those cameras in there and and witnessing that cruelty. And let's keep in mind that this is on public property as well. They, They stand outside slaughterhouses on public property and witness these trucks when they stop. So pretty disturbing there. We spoke already about the idea of false pretenses and validating consent. So that's the same thing as Alberta. The fines are similar. So if minimum or or maximum of $15,000 for a first offense or $25,000 for a subsequent offense, there is no higher fine for organizations. So that's interesting. Uh, But the fines can also be increased from the maximum in certain circumstances that can be prescribed and For non-lawyers that means that the government can say what those are by regulation so there could be more to come and one more provision peter that really troubles me is that there's a cost recovery mechanism for private prosecution so that means that if the state chooses not to prosecute someone for trespass because it's not in the public interest or they don't have enough evidence but a farmer or a slaughterhouse owner decides to prosecute that person instead and they win, that means that they can seek for the person who was convicted of trespass to pay not just a fine, but all of their legal bills as well. And that could run into the tens or even hundreds of thousands of dollars.
0: Wow. Wow. That is is something.
1: It's pretty chilling. It's pretty chilling. So... Okay. So that's Ontario. And then we'll just briefly talk about BC because I don't see this one moving as, as quickly. There's a private member's uh, okay. bill in BC proposed by a liberal MLA. So the, the liberals in BC are more like conservatives they're right wing. Uh, it's bill M227. And it says that trespassing onto a food establishment could be punishable by up to uh, $10,000 or a month of imprisonment Um, in compensation on top of whatever regular compensation is available under existing trespass laws or up to $25,000 in compensation or a month in prison for contamination of a a facility. Um, And up to $50,000 fines are possible if somebody counsels the contamination of a food establishment, so encourages contamination. So we've got these three laws in various forms. You know, at this point, Alberta has passed, so what... A lot of folks are considering now is whether that law is constitutional and whether there's a way to challenge it in court. Um, I think that Bill 156 in Ontario has similar problems. I hope that there's a way to stop it from passing. But what worries me, Peter, is that the government may try to ram this through in the next few days before the uh, legislature rises for Christmas break.
0: Well, we could see how uh, you know carefully, Camille, and deliberately the Alberta legislators really examined all sides of this, you know, as they <laughs> they 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 looked at each clause for literally seconds, Camille. Yep,
1: yeah, literally seconds. They they had a couple of debates, one after another. And uh, yeah, then they then they just passed it in about 10 days without any judicial, sorry, not judicial, without any committee scrutiny. So typically in the process of passing legislation, bills go to a committee where witnesses can come have their say and, and explain why the bill is good, why it's bad, what needs to change, what amendments should pass. They didn't do any of this in Alberta. And I'm fearful that they won't in Ontario either. So that's uh, what we're concerned about in the next uh, week or so is that this is going to pass without any scrutiny in Ontario.
0: But what's crazy is, Camille, when you get to the constitutional analysis, you know, the courts will always say, well, we should defer to the legislatures because they carefully study all the policy impact of this. And we're not a policy based court, blah, blah, blah.
1: Huh. That would be a joke in this case since they seem to ram it through without any serious debate in Alberta. And I'm fearful that Ontario is going to mean the same thing.
0: Yeah, it's quite something, quite something, Camille. It's uh, really, you went through those pretty fast. So there's not much more to yeah. say. Camille yeah, is, we did. So, you can tell that Camille so, is worked up, by the way, when she's just going that fast and just zinging out provision after provision. You can tell that she steamed.
1: Well, what's frustrating about this to me, Peter, I mean, a lot of things are frustrating, but the overarching picture here is that we've got 818 million land animals killed for food every year in this country alone. That's by far the biggest area of animal use in this country. More than labs, more than fur, more than hunting, more than entertainment. Mm. Easily. Many, many times more. Yet there aren't any regulations that set out <laughs> standards for how these animals need to be treated. There's nothing that says how much food, how much water, how uh, much space, what kind of light and fresh air requirements and social opportunities they're entitled to. There's, there's nothing like that. The industry makes up its own rules. And on the rare occasion that the public does see the curtain peeled back and gets a glimpse at reality, it's only because of people who are whistleblowers and exposed conditions, or becomes because someone's walking by a farm and takes a photo of something something bad happening. Um, you know, the the only laws that do apply are transport and slaughter regulations at the federal level, and even then, what the uh, what the government in Ontario was trying to do was prevent people from detecting what kind of slaughter, or, or, or I should say, transport violations are occurring by stopping them from looking in these trucks. Yeah, and I, I find I was... that just troubling.
0: Yeah, I do too. And I think that's the part of this that I think is so irritating. It's not, you know, we could have an interesting discussion about trespass laws because I think there are, I'm actually, you know, of the two sorts of laws, I've always been more concerned about the false pretense stuff because I just think that's nonsense. There's no, the false pretense stuff is, is generally um, designed to stop the kinds of things that we talked about. And certainly the hindering of transport trucks, which I'm quite concerned with the way in which it's worded. Um, um, you could have some interesting discussions about trespass and whether or not the trespass laws go too far. Um, I think certainly some of the ones, especially in Alberta, you know, do go too far. But I mean, I do think there's a distinction between the two types of laws. But to me, that sort of misses the story, because I actually think, you know, I'd be more inclined to want to consider these provisions rationally if I thought there was actually a concordant, you know, attempt to actually address the the reason why these things are taking place, which is some of the cruelty that takes place on farms and the fact that investigation after investigation uncovers it. And it's impossible for me to look at these laws not really as a balanced attempt to stop trespasses that are causing problems to certain landowners, but more as an attempt to cover up what's actually going on in the industries. And I think that's what's so troubling. There's no balance here whatsoever. It's essentially one-way traffic. And if you ask the industry about what's going on, they'll say the usual types of things. No, 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 we're heavily regulated. We are, you know, everything is nothing to see here. It's all good, et cetera, et cetera. And I think it's that sort of one-sidedness that I think is so punitive about, uh, what's actually happening. And, and Camille, I, I would point out as well that the fine levels, especially in Alberta, that's what's so crazy. Like, look at the fine levels that they're imposing for these sorts of things. Whereas the fine level for breaches of the Animal Protection Act is maxed out at $20,000. Whereas for trespass, it's now something like $200,000. It's absolutely insane.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's all about protecting and concealing animal cruelty from public view. This does nothing to tackle the problem in the first place, which is the fact that farms aren't regulated. They're not inspected and they're just not overseen or monitored by the government.
0: Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, I mean, really, that disparity in fines to me sort of says it all. We're going to go after organizations that advocate. Get this, Camille. You advocate trespassing on a farm. Two hundred thousand dollar offense, right? At least the maximum. Whereas you actually cause harm to multiple animals, $20,000 maximum offense. Like it's just, it's crazy. Like the numbers are completely out of whack.
1: It's completely disproportionate, but it shows you where these governments and their priorities lie. They, They listen to the farm lobby. Uh, The farm lobby is very powerful. We've seen it exercise its weight before when it killed animal cruelty legislation at the federal level. It's been able to do what it wants for a very long time. It receives billions in subsidies every year from federal provincial governments. And, uh, you know, I think this time they've gone too far. I think this is a situation where we urgently need citizens to stand up to the government and tell them that this is not acceptable. We might not have very much time to do this by the time you're listening to this episode. uh, I hope you can spare a few minutes to to do that. So if you're in Ontario, phone your MPP, phone the premier's office and tell them that you don't agree with this.
0: Wait a minute, Camille. I I heard the sound of horse hooves. They were just thundering (laughs) over my head. (laughs) Wow. Well, I'm telling you, ag-gag certainly gets us riled up, doesn't it, Camille? I'm going to have to... Do you know, Camille, it's funny because I had no ag-gag in my animal law course, right? Because, of course, I I set the whole course up um, in the summer and fall, and there was, like, literally no hint of this. So now it's like I have to redo the course a little and include some of this nonsense um, in there.
1: Yeah, it's one of the hottest topics in animal law these days, unfortunately. And, you know, I should just mention, south of the border... Uh, A lot of these laws are being struck down and have been struck down. So already in Idaho, Utah and Iowa, courts have struck down these laws as unconstitutional because they restrict people's free expression. Now the details always vary and no doubt Alberta and Ontario have looked south of the border and tried to figure out what is not as likely to pass constitutional muster and maybe they're trying to do a better job with this uh, to, to uphold this really really damaging law but some of it to me is still deeply problematic. So we are gonna be looking at this very closely and determining whether there's a way that it can be challenged in court.
0: Yeah, it's interesting because some of those laws, Camille, I remember some of the core problems with those laws was about the way it hindered people from publicizing photos and things that had been taken on farms. But I'm not sure that the distinction is really that big a deal, because if you're if you're essentially going to charge people with false pretenses um, to invalidate consent and cause a trespass, like you could argue that that indirectly hinders expression because obviously it makes it almost impossible to get those photos that could then be actually published if you follow my drift.
1: Exactly. And there's some precedent for the idea that expression includes not just the ability to communicate something, but some ability to gather information as well.
0: Yeah, definitely, uh, definitely something, definitely something. Wow. Wow.
1: Uh, All right. Well, this is not going to be the end of this topic, no doubt. So stay tuned for more information.
0: I will stay tuned. Um, It sounds excellent. Wow. I mean, it sounds awful, but it sounds excellent that you're all over it.
1: (laughs) All right, Peter. It's time for everyone's favorite segment, Heroes and Zeros.
0: Heroes and Zeros.
1: Here we are. So we we have a pretty cool hero this episode, which I'm excited to talk about. Sure do. Uh, it's a great story. So, out of the Windsor Catholic School Board District, uh, the Catholic high schools in Windsor are phasing out traditional animal dissections and instead using modern virtual technology to replace this traditional biology class project. So, gone are the days where frog and petal fig dissections will be used in the Windsor-Essex Catholic District School Board. They are moving towards uh, different technologies that that replace that. So, um what I uh, sort of want to emphasize about the story, first of all, it's amazing. I think this is the first school board in the country that's taking this move officially, although others, I, I think, are open to it. Um, uh, but our friend, Dr. Charu Chandra Chandrasekharas, who's the executive director of the Canadian Centre for Alternatives to Animal Methods program at the University of Windsor. So their organization works on replacing animal methods with technology. Uh, they were instrumental in pushing for this change. So it's pretty neat. And if you look at the photos, uh, attached to the article, which we're going to share in the show notes, you'll see that students have, uh, you know, model frogs to dissect and they're using iPads to check out and see what's kind of inside, um, You know, inside different types of animals um, like humans, you can kind of see the inside of an animal through this through this iPad technology instead of slicing open an actual uh, being that was once living.
0: Camille, I've started a petition already. It's it's being struck on behalf of the model frogs. I'm deeply concerned that model frogs are, you know, being pulled apart for no good reason. Camille, it's just it's deeply disturbing. Somebody has oh, got to stand up one for of the those models.
1: Plastic rights people now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Somebody's got to stand up for the model frogs, Camille. I got to tell you, I've looked at them. They look so goddamn real.
1: Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> it's 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 impressive. And uh, I want to read a quote as well from Dan Fister, who's the executive superintendent of innovation and experiential experiential learning with the school board. He says, animal dissection is academically unnecessary and despite its prevalence in North American schools, it is not practiced worldwide. He says that we believe this is a more ethical, humane, and engaging way to teach students science. So bravo. That's really great to see. The students are thrilled by it and I hope more school boards follow their lead.
0: Absolutely. Good on you. And for every hero, Camille, there is a zero. And we simply could not ignore this story, which I'm sure you have seen. Um, Our zero of this podcast goes to the country, an entire country of Romania. And this has to do with the terrible uh, capsized... Uh, live transport ship the Queen Hind which uh, left from Romania and uh, resulted in the death of close to 15,000 sheep um, in the Mediterranean and I'll tell you something Camille we've obviously been on the live export thing for a while usually in the context of Australia but other countries including the European Union which of course Camille is known for all its great animal welfare standards well guess what they ship live sheep um, as well from Romania. Um, I would say, Camille, it's probably fair to say that given the duration of the voyage, which is a lot shorter, you don't hear quite as many bad stories, but they're, you know, she, she, uh, she, um, sorry, sheep sheep on ships, Camille. I've got a bit of a tongue twister. You, sheep are not meant to be on ships for, for voyages. You're talking about 30,000, 15,000 sheep, you know, 15 to 30,000 sheep going on voyages that have risk. This was a situation where the the, the ship completely capsized. Um, we should point out, Camille, that some wonderful animal advocacy organizations, including, I believe, Camille, um, some of the ones we've been involved with in the past, helped to rescue, they were able to rescue 254 sheep, which was in its own way kind of amazing and a great story. But of course, another 14,400 died. And it's not the first time this has happened. Um, Romania has had problems with ships going to uh, the, the Middle East, before where all the live export is is the demand comes from and this is not the first time and of course Romania's Prime Minister was asked about this and said well suddenly banning live export would be a hasty measure we don't want to be hasty Camille after all only 14,000 animals died
1: yeah yeah who cares when there's still profit to be made off animal suffering right
0: Absolutely. They only drowned, right? It was only a painful, uh, slow death. I mean, hey, what the hell, right? Uh, Let's just get another ship and get it going. I mean, the truth is, the truth is, live transport simply cannot be done without some degree of suffering. It's just impossible. I've looked at all the studies that have come out of Australia, especially out of Australia, as I said again, because of the nature of the endeavor, the way the animals are grouped together before getting on the ship, the conditions on the ship, the conditions at the unloading, the likelihood and the possibility that you can't unload right away, and these sheep... sheep got I'm doing it again, Camille. These sheep are stuck on ships. I apologize. It's a bit of a tongue twister. Um, in the Middle East, where the conditions are incredibly hot. And this battle continues to go on and on. It seems to me this is one of those... Um, this is one of those threshold issues, Camille. We're never going to get to some of the more, um, I, I don't even think we can get to some of the more difficult issues on farm when we're still being willing to, to put these animals in the extreme risk that is involved with live sheep export. I mean, to me, this is a huge zero to Romania. You should stop uh, this trade. Um, a, a, at least show a willingness to investigate what's going on.
1: Stop it right away. Full stop.
0: I tell you, Camille, it's just uh, yeah. Something, something needs to something needs to be done. Live sheep export, Camille, gets my blood boiling. I think it is just one of the practices that is so inherently problematic, and it's done simply for profit. It's 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 really not needed, to be honest. The idea is that the oh, the lambs are fresher at slaughter. There's been a lot of studies showing that most most of these Middle Eastern countries are willing to buy processed uh, meat, which of course, sorry, or, or already slaughtered frozen meat, and obviously. Obviously, you know, you know, some of us uh, object to that as well, but it's certainly better than subjecting the animals to live sheep transport.
1: Yeah, I know it's an awful situation all around, and I hope that this incident, as tragic as it may be, actually sparks reform, because there's nothing more depressing than when something like this does happen and everyone just kind of throws up their hands and carries on business as usual
0: absolutely absolutely camille wow all right well that is our heroes and our zeros um and these are you know these are these are the people we wanted to call out Camille. that's all we've only got one more this year one more hero and one more zero we'll have to make it super special next week Camille.
1: all right well on that note one more episode before the end of the year looking forward to seeing you in person peter and looking forward to joining you all again next week
0: Fantastic. I'm looking forward to it too. See you soon, Camille. All right. Bye, everyone. We'd like to thank our listeners for tuning in today.
1: We'd love to ask you to subscribe to the Pod and Order podcast using Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, or your other favorite podcatcher. Also, please leave a rating because it helps more people find the show.
0: And if you can, please tell other listeners to share the podcast so more people can hear us.
1: You can also consider supporting us on our Patreon page, patreon.com slash order if you like what you hear.
0: You can find me on Twitter at at Peter Sankoff, or at my website, petersankoff.com.
1: And you can find me on Twitter at at Camille Labchuck, that's L-A-B-C-H-U-K. And we always enjoy Twitter conversations about the show or any other animal law or political topics.
0: And finally, we'd like to thank our producer, Shannon Milling. See you next time on Paw and Order. <laughs> For more great iRule podcasts, visit iRulePod.com. That's I-R-O-A-R-P-O-D dcom